Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. I'm going to start here with a verse. I, you know, I'm kind of shifting some of the things that the Lord, that I wanted to minister on. You know, I wanted to come here and minister on faith, but the Lord, and I guess this will still be a faith message, but it's going to be in a, in a little bit of a different angle here than, than what I was thinking on, on coming on. So we're just going to kind of get with it and see what the Lord has. Amen. But in Revelations chapter 11, verse 10, I was reading this this morning and this thing just kind of started jumping out on me and it says, and those who dwell on earth will rejoice over them and make merry and sing gifts one to another because, because these two prophets tormented or tortured them that dwell on earth. You say, now what's this talking about? This is in the book of Revelations, and it's talking about this, this tribulation period, and there's two prophets that come down that God sends down to this earth, and they begin to, to minister for three and a half years, and at the end of this time, the, the adversary rises up, amen, and he comes in and he kills them. Amen. And it says, and after, after, after this time that the people were so overjoyed that these two prophets were dead, that they began to rejoice over it. They wouldn't even bury them. They just let, they left them dead in the streets. Amen. It says they begin to have a party. They begin to send gifts one to another. They begin to rejoice. Amen. At everything that was going on before, before the Lord raised them back up after three and a half days. But this word really stuck out at me. It says that they, that they send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented or tortured those who dwell on earth. Now, when have we gotten to the place that, that two prophets, amen, that a prophetic word, that you could even say just the truth of the word of God going forth will torture humanity? That it tortures humanity enough to the fact that, that they begin to run and start terror from it, begin to hate it, and want to murder the ones that are preaching it. I'm telling you, church, this is, this is, this is the direction that the world's going. Amen. I I'm telling you, there's even touches of it right now, I'm telling you, because they, they don't like truth being preached. We don't like the church. We want the culture of the world to come into the church, but we don't want truth being preached. I'm telling you, church, this is a very, very dangerous place to be in. I mean, it's a very, very dangerous place to be in. We ought to be welcoming truth in. Why? Because truth will change you. Truth will wreck you. Truth will build you back up. I mean, truth does not lie, steal, kill, or destroy. No, no truth. Truth makes you more in his image than anything else. I mean, see, listen, there's, there's, two different, there's two different ways of thinking in the church nowadays, even how, we, how, we've, been, how we've been brought up. And it's, a, it's an age-old division that, that, that there's a divide in how we honor God, how we see God, and how we receive from God. I mean, there's, all, there's always been this division. It's not, just, it's not just in the church. This confusion isn't just in the, in the modern-day church. It's gone all the way back to, to the Jewish church, Amen which we have been engrafted in into the seed of Abraham. So, so we're, we're coming off the backside of it, but that same confusion on how we see, how we see and receive, amen, and, and honor God, it, it, it's the same thing. We're having the same issues with it. You say, what do I mean? Listen, this confusion has, has birthday a works-based Christianity, a works-based church. Amen. That, that, that came to fruition in about the 1500s, amen, and, and, and split the church in half, right? And we call it the Reformation. Amen. Where you had to work for salvation instead of just receiving what God's already purchased for you. Amen. This, this, this Reformation came forth, but, but see, when that, remission, that Reformation came forth, they kept on going, they kept on going. And what was supposed to bring freedom back to the church brought us back into, brought us back into religion. It brought, it brought back into, you have, to, you have to do X, Y, Z, and they brought the church back into a legalism. Amen. To where we got to, now, now it's not just work your way to salvation. Now it's to keep your salvation. You got to do X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z. Over and over and over, you're going to lose it. Amen. And I'm telling you, churches, this stuff is, is difficult and it, it harms us. It'll kill us. Amen. Because I mean, you know, following, following the Lord, following Jesus is not about following all the, all the precepts and the principles. Amen. Now, we're supposed to follow his commands. Amen. He says, if you love me, what, what should you do? You're going to follow my commands. Well, I didn't know there was any commands in the Bible. Well, actually, there, in, in the New Testament alone, there's over a thousand commands in it. Some of them are duplicated, so you could say there's about five to six hundred of them. 
I mean, this is how we show our love, amen? But, but see, we don't, we don't do these commands to get ourselves to him. We do these things as a result of being in union with him, right? See, that's one vein of it. And the other vein of it is where we see in a lot of the church, especially over here in Ireland and in different parts of the U.S., there's, a, there's this permissive grace, amen, to where, to where they, they push so hard against the, this, this Protestantism, that, that legalism, that Protestantism birthed, amen, that they, that they come and say, listen, it's, there's not really an empowering grace. It's more of a permissive grace. God, God will allow you to do whatever you want to do, amen. All you got to do is say this prayer and everything's going to be grand, Amen. You're, you're his. You're going you're to be taken up. <laughs> you're going to be taken up. Amen. You're good. Every, don't, don't worry about these things. Everything's grand. Amen. And what is all this birth from? Not people having a guilt and condemnation for not being able to follow the precepts and the commands that God gave us. Amen. But see, both, if you, if you, if you haven't heard me say this before, which I'm sure most of you in here have, listen, we don't teach religion in this place. Amen. We don't teach religion in the church. Amen. We, we teach relationship. We don't teach religion. Why? Because religion will send you straight to hell. Amen. Why? Because it teaches you to follow precepts or to, to rebel against precepts. Amen. It teaches you to do one or the other. Amen. And listen, if we don't teach, if we don't teach religion in this place, we're not going to teach the band-aids to religion in this place. Amen. We're not going to teach a permissive grace. We're not going to teach a legalism to help, to help band-aid up something because of an inferior doctrine of the, of the word of God. Amen. We're going to take the word at its face value and allow it to go forth and allow it to change us. How many of y'all know the word puts a demand on you? See, when the word goes forth, this is why people don't like truth, because when truth actually comes forth, it puts a demand on you. That's why it calls it a seed. How many of y'all know when seed gets put in the ground, the seed puts a demand on the ground around it? And it starts sucking up the nutrients in the soil. It starts sucking up the water. Why? Because something needs to grow out of it. Amen. The same thing is with the word of God. When, when the word goes forth and it gets sown into your heart, listen, it begins to put a demand on you. Amen. Because why? Because it wants to produce fruit. Amen. The demand is good. It's not something scary. Amen. It's something we need to yield ourselves to. You say, well, what's so, what's so wrong with religion? Why, why do you always talk bad about religion? Because religion, listen, it, it's a ticket. Amen. It's a ticket to the, to the counterfeit road, amen, of the wide path. Amen. The wide path that leads us to destruction. Whether you're working your way to hell in legalism, amen, or you're rebelling your way to hell because of permissive grace. Listen, you're, you're still going on the same destination. Oh, hello, church. You're still going to the same destination. Hmm. So what do we teach? We teach an encounter. Hmm? We teach that we need to have an encounter, that you need to encounter him. Amen. Not just believe a preacher, but encounter him. Amen, to where these things will become a living life on the inside of you. Because he alone, amen, an encounter with him. So what do we say in this place? His presence and his word will change everything. It'll change everything in your life. See, many of us are looking for doctors. We're looking for the government. We're looking for something to change our life. I'll tell you who's going to change your life. It's Jesus. He's the only one that can change your life. But see, we've relegated Jesus down to the person that, oh, Jesus just came to make, to make bad people good. I mean, I was a bad person, and he's trying to help mold me into, into what's good. But see, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Hey, Amen. I'm telling you, that, that's, that's religious nonsense. He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. I and mean, people that were dead and separated from God, he came to make them alive in Christ by giving them his life, sacrificing his life so he can give your life. And guess what happens on the backside of that? Good things start coming. Amen. Good works start coming. Good, good things start coming out of the good life that he placed on the inside of us. I mean, we got to get these things situated on how God, on, on what God actually came to do with us. Amen. You say, well, we hear, don't we hear all the time in this church, oh, you need to come to church. You need to come to church. You need to study the word of God. You need to be in prayer. You need to go to church. You need to study the word. You need to go to prayer. Man, it sure sounds like a do this, do that, or do the other thing, doesn't it? It sure sounds like you're trying to preach a works-based Christianity. Well, let me tell you something, church. That comes from that permissive grace doctrine. Amen? Because listen, if you don't desire to be in his house... You don't desire his word. You don't desire to be in prayerless in church. I'm telling you, there's a heart issue. 
There's a heart issue that needs to get shifted on the inside of you. Why? Because there may not be that life that you think there are. You may be following a religion and not necessarily following him. Amen. I'm telling you, church, we, we can't be following the imposter. I know this is going to get real on a Wednesday night. <laughs> but we, we can't be following the imposter. We got we to be following him. We got to be following him. We got to be searching, searching after an encounter for him. I mean, because we're going to still teach these things. Every time you come here, we're going to still tell you you need to come to church. You're still, you're, you're still going to need to pray. I, mean, I don't know who that, maybe that was, that was Christian over there at one time, you got, or, or someone, with a, it's like, every, every time I come, do you say the same thing? Get in the word, ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's where the answer is. Amen, that, that's where the answer is. And that, that's, that's what we need to be pushing to you. Listen, church, you don't want my wisdom. Amen, yeah, I'm, I'm, you don't want my wisdom. Amen, we need the wisdom from the Holy Spirit. We need the wisdom from the word. Amen, and allow these things that absolutely bring a revolution in our life. Amen, I think Brother John was, a, that, that was, was a ministering out of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. You know, as we're coming into, into, into the service today. Well, I, that's a verse you'll hear quite often around here, isn't it? I mean, we shouldn't be forsaking the assembling together our, with ourselves. Amen, we ought to be gathering together more often, more frequently. Why? Because he's coming. I mean, even as that day draws nigh, what is that day that's drawing nigh? That's, that day is when Jesus comes to receive his church. Amen. We shouldn't be going away from the things of God, away from church, away from prayer, away from studying the word of God. Church, in this day, in this hour we're living in right now, church, you ought to be stuck glued into the things of God. Nothing else ought to matter in your life. Why? Because that's where the answers are. Amen. This, this is where, you want to know how you're going to weave through the recession? Huh? It's through his word, Amen. through his leading, not, not from your government. I tell you, be mindful of putting your faith in the wrong things. I mean, he, he's going to be the one that's going to deliver us. He's going to be the one that protects us. He says, I'll provide every need you have. I am the supplier of all, of all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I mean, can we believe him or do we believe what, what, what the world tells us? Amen. Amen. We need, we need to be getting to the place where we host the presence of God so, so much where people can walk into this place and come into an encounter with him. It's where they, where they meet Jesus. I mean, they walk in the door. I'm telling you, I've heard it from so many people. Oh, man, when I just walked in there, man, it was just, the, it was just, it was something different about that place. It's, it's the encounter. It's, that's the presence of God that comes, that comes into a place. I'm telling you, it will change people. It will change people. A religious service will do nothing. It allows you to check, check, the, check the box and say, ooh, 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 I went to church, hallelujah. Amen, but it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't change anything on the inside of us. It doesn't reveal him. It doesn't bring us into union with him. His presence and his word alone are the things. to so see, listen, when you, when you come to this encounter, this is, the, this is where you'll come to that place where Jesus is not just your savior. See, contrary to popular belief, Jesus is the savior to the world. He didn't fail. He is the Savior of the world. But see, he's not the Lord to everybody. He's only the Lord to the ones that will submit themselves unto him. Amen. And follow what he asks them to do. Oh, Jesus is my Savior. Well, Jesus needs to be our Lord as well. That, that's, where, that's where we receive his goodness. That's where we receive everything we have for him. Amen. Because whether you can, you know, like I say, whether you, you believe this or not, if you can yield into, into, into a permissive grace, amen, and rebel your way into life, or you, or you yield your way into legalism and work your way into life, listen, church, I'm telling you, that both are, are cut from the same cloth. You say, what's that? It's self-idolatry. And see, this, this word has been stirring on the inside of me for, for a couple months now. And I'm telling you, the church, we're so full of self-idolatry, we don't even know what we call it. We call it Christianity. Amen. And it's self-idolatry. Why? Because we're, we're, we're exalting anything. What is self-idolatry? It's worshiping or, or exalting anything over him. Valuing anything over him. And when we value anything, worship, or give our attention to anything except for him, listen, we're, we're our idolizing it. Amen. It's our choices that become self-idolatry. So in essence, you can say here that self-idolatry is what? Self-idolatry is what? It's just the practicing of sin. Hmm? You won't make it real simple. Self-idolatry is just the practicing of sin. Doing anything outside of the word of God. Doing anything outside of the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
Hmm? This, this, this is what self-idolatry is. I mean, now, let me be perfectly clear here. I'm not talking about the people who make a mistake. I mean, I'm not talking about people that make a mistake and slip up and fall. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about practicing sin. People that, people that do things as a practice. I'm telling you, that's self-idolatry. While you're exalting your thoughts, what you want to do, your beliefs over what he's told us to do. What he's told us to do. What he's, what he's commanded us to do. Let's get down, let's get real with it. Amen. What he's, what he's commanded each and every one of us to do. Amen. Now, now the people that are making mistakes, listen, church. You know, God's, God's not holding those things against them. Because some people just don't have a revelation of how to get out of these things. Some people aren't, aren't mature enough to, to know how to get it. Some people are just not spiritually sound enough yet to get out of these things. But, but we're not talking about just making mistakes. Oops, I slipped and made a mistake, Lord. But I still, I still have a problem. I'm, I'm sorry. And you're repenting and you're coming to him over and over and over because, because you know you're hurting the heart of the one who gave his life for you. We're not talking about those. We're talking about the ones that, that make the excuse. They make doctrine. They go seeking after those tickling ears. Why? So they can feel good and you can still do whatever you want. See, isn't this what Jude was talking about? Jude said, oh, oh there, there's people, they're coming and they're worming their way into your church, giving you things that'll tickle your ego, tickle your ears. Those are people we need to be mindful of. Those, those, that's, that's, that's the wolf. Amen. Those are the people coming in to seeking to destroy each and every one of us. Amen. Now, I know I can hear some of you in here like, man, I can't believe you have the audacity to come in here and talk about sin. Let, let me look at the presence we have in this place. We have miracles happen here. Amazing things happen here. Well, listen, church, this is exactly why the Holy Spirit wants to talk on these things. You say, why is that? Because he wants to keep those things coming. But he just doesn't want to keep it coming. Listen, church, he wants to fill this place up with an extra dose, amen, with a, with a, with a, with a greater anointing than you've ever seen in your life, amen. But with, but with those things that come, we have to make some changes on the inside of us, amen, to receive the weight that he has for us, amen. He just wants to solidify your foundation. He wants to strengthen your foundation. Why? Because we all have cracks, we all have cracks. We all have struggles. We all have things we're dealing with. Listen, church, and he, and he wants to solidify those things. He wants to strengthen those things. Why? Because he wants you to be in the mirror image of his son. See, he's going to continue to mold you. He's going to continue to shape you. He's going to continue to cut things off you. He's going to continue to rebuke things. He's going to continue to encourage. He's going to continue to do different things. Why? So he could sit there and get you on that potter wheel and start making you look just like Jesus. Amen. Why? So you can begin to do the things that Jesus does. When you start laying hands on the sick, they, they start getting healed. When you start seeing a devil, the Holy Spirit tells you to speak something, you speak it and it starts leaving. Well, these, aren't, these, aren't, these aren't figments of our, figments of our imagination. Now, this is what Jesus wants for us, each and every one of us, but, but we got to yield into how he desires for these things to come to pass, you know? And people say, oh, well, well, what about this sin consciousness and this righteousness consciousness? Man, I've heard a lot of teaching on that, Pastor. You know, you, know, you can't talk about sin in the church anymore. You know, because why? Because then we won't have a righteousness conscience. Now, I'm going to tell you, church, that's absolute rubbish. That's absolute rubbish. Now, I understand where they're, they're coming from. Listen, church, I, I understand those things. We don't, we don't dwell on things over and over and over. But listen, church, we need to teach people truth. Amen. Why? Because you, if you don't know what you've been freed from, how are you going to operate in freedom? How many of y'all know that there is a difference between being set free and operating in freedom? There's a difference between set and, being set free and operating in freedom. You say, well, well, how do you know? Okay. Well, how many of you know that you've been set free from sickness and disease? See, when Jesus came down, the word tells us that the, he sent his word to heal us and deliver us from all of our destructions. He says that, that by every stripe that he has taken, we are the healed of God. It's not who you were, it's who you are. It's who you are right now. I don't care what you feel like. I don't care what's going on in your body. I don't care what's going on with your mind. Listen, you've already been set free from it. It's a done deal. You don't have to fight for it anymore. It's already done. Amen. But see, the problem is you don't know how to operate in it. See, you've been set free, but how do you operate in it? How do we get to that place in operating in divine health? Because, see, that's what God wants for us. I mean, he doesn't want you to get healed. You know, get, getting healed is inferior to walking in divine health. He wants you to walk in divine health to where, to where COVID, uh, cancer, nothing can come and jump upon you. 
Hmm? It's much greater. But we got to know that we've been set free from it. If you don't know you're set free with it, you're never going to operate in it. Amen. And if you know you're set free, we need to start getting into the word of God and allowing him to show us how to operate in these things. Amen. But on the, on the flip side of that, how many of y'all know that we've been set free from sin? You say, oh, you don't know me. Listen, how many of y'all know you've been set free from sin? Huh? See, Jesus, when he came down to this place, he, he put your sin nature. You've been crucified with Christ. I mean, the old man of who you were has been nailed up to the cross with him. You, you've been crucified when that old nature, it's dead. See, you didn't just get delivered from the, 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 the punishment of sin. No, no, no. That, that whole nature was ripped out of you. You've been set free from it. His anointing, it destroys the yoke. I mean, that, that yoke, it has no bondage on you anymore. Zero. You've been set free from it. You say, well, man, I, I, well, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. If I've been set free, because you don't know how to operate in that freedom. We got to learn how to operate in this freedom. Why? Because being set free and operating in freedom, listen, are two completely different things, church. You say, well, how, how do I begin to operate in it? How, how does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing. And hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And not just, not just when Ryan or Pastor Jason's up here ministering the word of God to you. No, no, faith comes when that word comes out of my mouth and it becomes Jesus speaking to you. And you receive it as a seed sown straight into your heart and it becomes a rhema word. Amen. Not, not a word that just Ryan spoke, a rhema word that, that God himself begins to speak into your heart. Then what faith gets ignited, then you begin to operate in what you've been freed from. And the freedom that you've been set free from. Amen. Why? Because whatsoever things we believe, church, there'll be an expression of that faith. There'll be words coming out of our mouth. There'll be actions to what we do. Oh, I don't know about all that work stuff. Listen, church, faith produces a work. It produces action. If not, go back and listen to one of Melvin's messages the last couple of times he's been ministering. Amen. Why? Because it produces an action in your life. If it doesn't, it's not faith. Hmm? See, me, I think that was me and Pastor Jason talking about that this morning. And listen, and, or, and you know, I think we have a whole different belief system on, on, than what the Word's talking about. A lot of us think we're, we're, we're believing, amen, but you're really not believing. You're just in hope, amen, because what we say believe, we're just really hoping something to come to pass. You know, every time you see belief in the Word, amen, you ought to start saying that it's saying knowing, Amen? Because there's a difference in believing something knowing, right? Okay. How, how many of how, how y'all believe I'm standing up here? Let me see your hands. See, you don't believe I'm standing up here. You know I'm standing up here. Amen? See, see it's a difference in our vernacular when we're reading things. So we're like, oh, yeah, I believe that. No, you don't believe it. Because if you believe it, you know it. Amen? But most of us don't know it. We just, we just believe. We just have a hope in it. Amen. Not a biblical hope, but, but, but a worldly type of hope. Amen. Until the circumstances changes, then I don't know if I believe that anymore. I don't know if I believe in healing anymore because, man, that sure didn't work last time they laid hands on me. Well, see, when we lay hands on you, it's not to, it's not to necessarily heal you. It's to bring forth the healing that's in your spirit and allow it to be released into your body. Amen. But you're going to have to allow that to be released by operating in that freedom. Amen. Amen. So listen, church, Whew, what, what are we, where are we going to go here? Listen, if we're going to get away, if we're going to get away from some of these things, ah, we will go that direction. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me take a right hand turn back into, into the direction we started off here. Listen, what, what is sin? And what, what, what is sin? What, what is these things? I see a lot of us, we, we, we come to this place of thinking that sin is just a, ah, it's, it's just, we just missed the mark in our lives. But see, that's not actually what the, what the word sin means. I mean, how many of y'all know what the, uh, the, the Greek word for sin is hamartia? I mean, it's derived from two different words in the Greek. One is, one is ah, and one is miros. Anytime you see ah in the word, it means no. I mean, like zero, no. Amen. But the word miros means a part or a, or a share. Amen. So the lexicon would define it as having no part or no share being a loss or a forfeiture. 
Amen. And on the backside of that, because of that, amen, it's because you're not hitting the mark or hitting the target. Amen. So many of us have been taught that, you, listen, if, we, if, we, if you're in sin, if you're one of these people that you're, that you're practicing sin or self-idolatry, amen, it's because you have missed the mark, amen. But listen, the, missing the mark is a consequence of these things. Amen. According to, according to the word of God. Amen. But listen, missing the mark, there, there is some truth in that statement. Amen. But we, we want to dig a little bit further. We want to go, we want to, go to, to what the original mean and the meaning of this is. Because really, if we are, really if we are in sin, like, like we said before, it means you're self-idolizing your own thoughts, your own values, your own opinions, and your own way of doing things because you have no part in him. You have no share in him. You say, well, how can, how can we one that practice him? Because you have no share in him. It's pretty strong. But see, that's what the word actually means. It doesn't mean make, a, make an excuse of why your friend or your neighbor or someone is still a Christian even though the things they're doing. I mean, it says it has no, because you have no part in him. You have no share in him. Now, if we're, now if we're practicing sin, sin literally means that you have no part or no share, amen, in his, uh, by, your con- by, by your choices or, or, the, or your conscious decisions. If that's self-idolatry, which is valuing our thoughts, which produce consequences of what? Missing the mark. Why is it missing the mark? Because you're heading in a different direction that he's leading you. Because we're not in union. We don't have any part with them. Hmm? I know it's not, not, not a whole lot of fun, but listen, church, I love this kind of stuff. You say, why is that? Because it changes the way I think on things. It changes, it changes what I believe on things. Why? Because they begin to change what I do. Amen. We got, we got to understand exactly what the Lord is leading us to do. Amen. So, so what is this? Simply put, why, why do people operate in sin? Why do we do those things? Because we have no faith in him. We have no faith in God. We have no faith in his way of doing things. So what do we do? We end up making ourselves a golden calf. We end up making ourselves a golden calf. A golden calf of self-idolatry. Hmm. Now listen, listen to this here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now listen, this, is, this comes off a message. And if you, if you go back to chapter 5, he's sitting there and he, he's talking to his sons and daughters of the church. And he's telling them, he said, listen, I, there's a man that's in your church. He's been sleeping with his stepmother. He says, I want you to kick him out of the church. I want you to, to tell him to, to leave the church. Amen. Verses of sin. He says, and in verse 5, it says, Deliver such a man unto Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So he's saying, I want you to, to, to get him out of the church, get him out of the protection of the church. Why? So, so that Satan can have his way with his flesh. I'm telling you, this is in the word, kind of, kind of, kind of contrary to what we hear a lot nowadays from the pulpit, right? I mean, it says, but, but listen, he says, I want you to, to ex- give him the exit. Why? So his, so his spirit man can be saved. Why? Because if he gets out of the protection of the church, amen, Satan's going to start having his way with him. What's it going to do? It's going to cause him to repent. I mean, it's going to ch- cause him to change the way he thinks. And he's going to come back to the church, which proof of that in 2 Corinthians. He said, bring that man back. He's had enough. Bring him back. Love him. Love on that man. I mean, he wouldn't be a mean. He was given truth. Why? Because if you scroll up a few verses before that, it says that, that you're puffed up. The church began to get puffed up and in, and in pride. He says, you should have mourned uh, that, that the man that has done this deed has been taken away from you. Listen, instead of the church, you know, speaking, saying, listen, we shouldn't be doing these things, they begin to come into agreement with them and say, man, this is great. Man, we have all this freedom. We have all the freedom in the world. You know, we got this permissive grace going on. Man, it's great that this guy, hey, he's so good. He's sleeping with his stepmom. Man, pray, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. And then he said, listen, you need to not just kick him out because of what he's doing. You need to get him out of there because that, that sin's like a cancer that began to come into your church. And it's affected everyone in there to where now you've changed the way you think. You're not even operating with what God's asked you to do. Hmm? You've come into agreement with him. You've come into agreement with sin. 
You, you become made into a self-idol. And then he, and then he goes and gets into the, to the uh, chapter 6, and we see that he says, listen, and what are you even doing suing one another? He goes, why are you taking each other to court? I mean, if someone needs something, do I, do I just, just give it to them. What, what are you doing taking them to court over? Just let them have it. I mean, can we show love at least to our brothers and our sisters? And then he comes to, the, to these verses here in, in verse 9 out of chapter 6. And it says, know you not that the, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, the unrighteous, the ones that haven't received, the ones that aren't in union with Jesus, amen. He says, they will not, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, but, but listen to this. He says, but do not be deceived, neither will the fornicators nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor the effeminate, which is the homosexuals, the transsexuals, uh, the, the, the gender movement that we got going on now. He says, no, nor were the abusers of them with mankind, nor were the thieves or the covetousness, nor will the drunkards, nor were the revilers or the extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Woo! Man! Say, well, well, listen, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm, I'm going to receive the kingdom. I'm a believer. Well, what does James 2.19 say? Hmm? To see there has to, be, there has to be an expression of faith for the things that we believe in. What does James say? Listen, you believe there's a God? Praise the Lord. That's awesome. The devils believe there's a God too. Amen. And they tremble at the fact because they know there's a God. Why? Because he's not their Lord. They're not following his commands. You know, they're not following his commands. They're not his Lord. So they're trembling at the fact of that. And, we're, and, we're, and the church has begun to celebrate it. Hmm? In verse 11, it says, and such were some of you. He goes, but you were washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of God. He says, listen, you used to have this nature, but see, you know, don't be yielding this in this permissive grace that yield to the empowering grace that God has placed upon you, that he has freed you from all these things. Begin to operate in the grace that's freed you. Amen. Not to begin to practice the things that you've been freed from. Because you were like this, but you're not anymore. Amen. We've been cleansed, each and every one of us. Well, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Why? Because, because listen, your, your own opinions, if you exalt your own opinions, if you exalt your own ideologies, if you exalt your own doctrine, <laughs> listen, church, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You will not inherit the kingdom. Amen. I'm telling you, God, God has this crazy way of doing things. He likes things his way. Why? Because he's the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything that dwells within it. He's not doing these things because he hates us. He's doing these things to protect us. Amen. Why? Because he knows what's lurking outside. He knows what's coming to try to snatch your life. He knows what's trying to come kill your children. Amen. He's trying to get us built up solid in a foundation of the word of God and his power and the Holy Spirit. Why? So we can begin to finally, that the church can begin to defeat darkness and stop yielding to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know, church. I don't know why I keep getting some of these messages here. Like I said, I want. I want. I wanted to minister. I wanted to minister on faith. But I'm gonna tell you, church. I'm gonna Yes. Yes, yes, I, I want to deliver truth. Yes, I want to deliver my word. Why? Because I desire for waves of my grace to come upon you. You're just at the beginning. I'm trying to push you towards the end, but you're going to have to allow my words to come forth and begin to change some things on the inside of you because I got grace, I got power, I got anointing like you've never seen, like you've never tasted, but you're going to have to yield into my presence, yield into my way of doing things so my grace won't crush you. So my grace won't crush you. So my glory won't crush you. So my goodness won't harm you. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go with me to Exodus real quick. Go with me to Exodus. I'll make this quick-ish. 
Amen. Exodus chapter 32. And this is, this is some good stuff here. We've, we've, all, we've all probably read this in here. We know what this is about. This is about, you know, the Israelites building the golden calf here. Amen. But listen, this came just after the Lord called the nation of Israel to be a kingdom of priests. Amen. To represent God and to mankind. And when they came to meet him at Mount Sinai, they all backed off. They didn't, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to hear from God because they were too much in fear of his presence. And what happened? You know, Moses began to walk with trembling knees and came into the presence. And he, he became, he got, he got elected, if you would, to, to, to be the, or nominated to be the one that, that comes into the presence of God. You know, the priesthood declined it, amen, but, but Moses accepted it. Now, this is just after that. But I want you to pay attention here because this is the perfect example. This is the perfect example of how easy it is for, for the counterfeit to come into the church. This is, this is how easy it is for the counterfeit to come in and posture ourselves, amen, to we worship the imposter. To we worship the imposter, not, not the king. Not, not God himself. Amen. Things that look like Jesus. So, you know, huh. Yeah, yeah. here's another one me and Jason were talking about today. You know, it, you know look, think, you know, haven't you heard this statement? If it looks like a duck, sounds like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck, right? You know, but we, but we think that same thing applies to the church. You know, it looks like a church. You know, it sounds like a church. You know, you know it smells like a church. But see, most of the time, they're not really a church. Amen. It's not, it may not be really a church, amen. Why? Because we've got to be led by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. That, that is the foundation of all things, amen. Before I get myself in trouble, let me just move on here. It says in verse 1, it says, And when the people saw that Moses was delayed in coming out of the mountain, he goes, The people gathered themselves unto Aaron and said unto him, Make us gods. That word God there is Elohim. That means, that means God. It's in the plural form. It's the same word for gods that we see in Genesis chapter 1 in the very first sentence. I said, in the beginning, God, in the beginning, Elohim, meaning what? In the beginning, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit created the heavens and the earth, right? You know, it's the same word used here. It says that, he goes, it says, make us gods, which shall go before us, and for, and as for us and this man, Moses, this man that brought us down out of the land of Egypt, we know not, we know not what has become of him. We don't know what's become of him. It says Moses is delayed. We don't know what's coming to him. Where was Moses at? This is the time that Moses, he's spending 40 days and 40 nights, right? In the presence of God, amen. In the presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights. In that, in that Shekinah glory. What was he doing there? He was getting, you know, the Ten Commandments written out for him. He was getting all kinds of good things. He was getting stuff to, to lead the nation of Israel. And how do we do that? The only way you can lead in the kingdom is come to an encounter, Amen. So he was, so God was giving him an encounter, the same kind of encounter that he wanted, he wanted everyone in Israel to have, but they refused it. He accepted it. Now he got the encounter and God started pouring out everything that he needed so he could lead the people. Amen. But see, a little over a month, 40 days, amen, the people started going, where is this guy? Man, this guy, you know, this guy, he, he helped us come out of Egypt. And all the, I don't know where he went. You know, you know, Aaron, you know, may, may, maybe he got raptured like Enoch. You know, he was real close to God. Maybe God just took him out of there. You know, maybe, maybe he was kind of an old fella. I think he was about 80-something years old. Now, maybe he died on the way up to the mountain. We don't know what happened to him, but we need you to do something for us. Amen. We need you to make us an idol. You need you to make us a God. We need you to make him. Amen. Make something for him so that we can worship and we can be led by him. Amen. But how many of y'all know, how many of y'all know here he says, he says, that we don't know what happened to this man that led us up out of Egypt. How many of y'all know that, that, that Moses didn't lead him out of Egypt? I mean, it wasn't Moses that led him out of Egypt. Amen. It was God that led them out of Egypt. Amen. It was God that spoke to Moses. It was God that, that was working through Moses, but it was God that was leading his people, his chosen people out of Egypt. It, it was not Moses. Moses was just being obedient to what the Lord asked him to do. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you, church, listen, we, we got we to be very careful on these things too, because we tend to exalt. We exalt people. We don't, we don't need to be exalting leaders in our, in our, in our own lives. I, listen, I believe in the, in, the governmental, in the governmental rule in the church. I believe in the apostles, the pastors, the evangelists, the, the prophets, and the teachers. I, I believe in the fivefold ministers. Absolutely. I have them in my own life. I have pastors and spiritual parents in my own life. I mean, I believe in these things. But I tell you what I don't believe in is that people exalt man into a place that they're of God. 
God, that they, that they are now God in your life. They're the ones that can make decisions for you. They, they, they want to make decisions. Let's say, church, let me, let me tell you, you, you be mindful of, of leaders in your life that want to make your decisions for you. Can, can you hear that? You know, people that want, that want to direct you, that want to call you, that want to push you in a certain direction. You need to be mindful of those people because they're not trying to build his kingdom. They're trying to build theirs. Amen. Why? Because men of God, like Moses, they, they lead by the spirit. They lead you to God. They don't lead you to them. Amen. I mean, I love, I love being one of the pastors of this church. I'm thankful for those things. But listen, church, you know, I'm, I'm not calling you all to follow me. I'm not calling you to lead me. I want you to follow Jesus in everything that we're doing here. I mean, I want him to give you answers. I want him to lead you. I want him to tell you what to do in your life, not me. You will not get that answer from me. I'll direct you right back to the Holy Spirit. You need to start praying. You need to get in the word of God. Why? Because he's the one that he's your leader. Amen. He is your leader. Amen. That he can work through us, but he's your leader. He is your leader. Amen. And we need to allow him to be that. Why? Because <laughs> leaders aren't designed to carry that weight. Amen. I mean, I'm big. I'm big. I'm six foot five Texas boy. Amen. But I'm not designed to carry that kind of weight. Neither is Pastor Jason, neither, neither is, is John, neither, neither is Melvin, neither, neither is any leaders in the church. We're not designed to carry those things. Only he is. And see, listen, if we, if we yield on those things, the only thing it's going to do is crush you. But not just crush the leadership, we'll begin to crush the church. You know, there, there's, a, there's a man in the States, I'm telling you, it was, it's happened before I came over here, but it blew me away. I was sitting there watching because it was a famous, famous preacher of a huge church. And they're sitting there, you know, and they lifted this guy up on a throne and started walking him around the church, walking him around the church. I'm telling you, absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. You know, the crazy thing about that man was dead like two years later, a young man. Why? Because you're not, you're not designed to carry that kind of weight. Hmm? Open up the door wide open for Satan to come in and destroy everything in your life. It says in verse 2, it says, And Aaron, Aaron said, And then break off the golden earrings and, and uh, break off the golden earrings which are in your ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring those unto me. Aaron said, Listen, go, go get a sacrifice, but not just a sacrifice. Go get the greatest thing you have to offer, and, we're, and we, we'll do these things. We'll make an offering unto the Lord. You'll get the, get the greatest things you had. Listen, they just came out of Egypt. They came out with the wealth of Egypt. And they said, Listen, I know you have value with you. Get, get the thing that, that means the most to you. Go, go rip out all that gold, I mean, out of their ears of, of your wives and your children. Amen. And come and bring those things before me. You, you ever know why God said, why he gave us the command never to, to make an image of him? You, you ever know that? Why? Because we're, cause, cause humankind, mankind, we're so, we're so sensual, we're so carnal that if we ever see God, if we ever see, that's probably why he's never lets us see him in full fashion. Why? Because if we see something, we'll make a painting, we'll make a, a statue, we're going to make something, and then we'll end up worshiping, amen, the very thing that we created over the, over the one that we're supposed to know. Why? Because we can touch that, we can feel that. Amen. I mean, it, ha it happens all over this nation. I mean, there's relics that people worship all over the place. I mean, but that's not what we're called to be doing. You know, you know how many of y'all know that, that Hezekiah, you know, the, the, you know the, the bronze staff that he made? He, he went and destroyed it because the people worshiped it. You know, the, you know, the bronze staff, you know, when, when Israel got in sin and the curse began to come upon them, you know, snakes came and started biting them and, and killing people. And what did, what did the intercessor do? He went before God and said, listen, God, how, how can I get this curse off of mankind? He says, listen, go, be, go get a staff and build a, go get a bronze snake and put it on top of it. And anyone who gazes on it, why? Because it was a type and shadow of Jesus. Anyone who gazes upon it, they'll be healed. So they begin to get sick. They begin to look at that and then the snakes no longer harmed them. But see, it's amazing as that thing was, amen, what happened in the days of Hezekiah, the people began to worship the stinking staff, amen, they began to worship it, and what he do? He didn't say, oh, that's great, yeah, because this did such a good job, we'll put up in a glass box for everyone to see, no, he went and destroyed it, why, he said, we're not going to have an idol, you're not going to worship a stick with a bronze, with a bronze snake on the top, no, you're going to worship him, you're going to come, and you're going to know who he is. You're going to get intimate with him. You're going to worship him, not just some staff. Hmm? No idolatry. 
In verse 3 it says, And the people, they broke off all the golden earrings which were in their ears, and they brought them into Aaron, and he received them at their hand, and he fashioned with a graving tool, and he made a molten calf. You know, he, he, he melted it all, and all the impurities came off the gold. It was perfect. It was perfect. And then he made a molten calf, and they said, These be thy gods. That's that same word, Elohim. This be the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in Israel, which brought, uh, oh Israel, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. These be thy gods. Isn't that insane? These be your gods. No, these be not your gods. These be a golden piece of a calf, a purified calf that you built with your own hands, amen, that you built with your own hands that you, that you could go to and you could touch, you could control, you could move, amen, you could handle, and it would bring no fear because why? There's no presence with it. Because there was no presence with it. So there's no fear to come into the presence of that golden calf, right? Because no presence came with it. I mean, how many of y'all know that God was literally hovering he was literally hovering over Mount Sinai. See, Moses was up the mountain. You know, with God himself, the Shekinah glory was up there. His presence was all over that mountain. Amen. You could see it. You could see everything about it. His presence was there. But why didn't Aaron go to that place? Why do you, why do you result in, in going to, to build something with his own, own hands? Because of his fear. Because of his fear. When he, when he was too much in fear coming into the presence of God. I mean, listen, church, when, you, when you're in fear of him, when you're in fear of his presence, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about the holy fear that we need to be taken back. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when, you're, when you don't want to get because you're, you're too consumed with your flesh. Amen. And you, and you don't want to come to his presence. Listen, that'll lead you to be succumbed by people's demands. I mean, people's demands and people's wants. Amen. Because God, he wants things his way. He wants his things his way. He, he's going to put some demands on you. He wants things your way. So what are we going to do? We're going to build a golden calf that makes me feel good. It won't put any demand on me. Amen. I'll just worship this thing. Leave that scary thing up there on the mountain. All the lightning and thundering up on the mountain. We'll, do, we'll just begin to worship this thing. I don't know about you, church, but, but I enjoy vibrating under the presence of God. Hey Amen. I, I, I love to vibrate. It's, it's refreshing. It's exhilarating. Yet it's intimidating. It's intimidating. And it's fearful. You say, why is that? Because you can't control him. He's uncontrollable. How I many of y'all know that they used to call the, the Holy Spirit the wild goose here, here in Ireland? The old Celts. Why? Because you can't control a wild goose. Amen. And even back in those days, Christianity was always coming to that place where we were trying to put the, the Holy Spirit on a leash. Amen. They said, no, Holy Spirit isn't something that's going to be walked on a leash. No, 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 no. Holy Spirit's like a wild goose. Amen. Uncontrollable. Amen. But we'll follow him. We'll, we'll follow him. Amen. How many of y'all know that our God is alive? Amen. He's alive, and I'm telling you, church, you know, you can't get the same kind of feeling. You can't get it from Buddha. You can't get it from Allah. You can't get it from Harry Krishna. Amen. Why? Because those are just idols that are made of something out of hands. They're, they're, they're dead. There's no life in it. Amen. But his, his presence, it ought to bring a fear to you. Why? Because you can't control them. Amen. It's something you got to submit yourself under. Now, listen, I'll try to finish up here. In verse 5, it says, And then when Aaron saw it, it says, He built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow? Oh, let me back up one verse here. It says, And he received them at their hands and fashioned it. Oh, uh, no, that's it. And that these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built up an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation, said, Tomorrow we will feast before the Lord. You know, the, the thing that, I, uh, that the Lord was, was ministering in this, because years ago, I, I used to think about this, about, about these verses. And I was like, man, it, it blows me away. How could these men, that, that they just came into the presence of God 40 days ago, 
You know, a, a little over a month passed. They, they came, they saw the presence of God. They heard God speak. They, they were in fear. They wouldn't even come nearer to him. They disobeyed God, but, but they were there in his presence. Well, well how, could they, how could they get into his presence and then, and then 40 days later decide they want to worship another God? They want to worship another Baal or, or make something in another image. You know, how could they completely just you know, switch, switch off just like that, like they're denying God? Well, they weren't necessarily denying God. You know, they, they, weren't, they weren't making some gods of Egypt. They weren't making some gods of the Canaanites out here. It wasn't, it wasn't Moses or Aaron wanting, wanting the same authority and power that Moses had and said, oh, well, well, hopefully he's dead. Now we'll worship something. Now follow me. That, that's not what it was. That's not what it was. See, if you, look, if you look back into this, it says tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Now, see, if you just dig a little bit deeper instead of just looking at things, that, you know, and skimming over the word as you're reading it, you'll find out that that word there for Lord is Yahweh. Is Yahweh. I mean, see, they used Elohim. Elohim, we'll see nine times out of ten, Elohim, when it's talking in the word, nine times out of ten, it's talking about Yahweh. But there is a couple times, a couple exceptions, where it's talking about the gods of the land, right? But see, when it says Yahweh, there, there is no mistaking there. I mean, that, that, there, there's, no, there's no one other called by that name besides our Father, the God himself, Yahweh. It, it is his personal name, the, the name that the Jews are so in fear to say they won't even say it. They won't even spell it out. They spell it out with Y-H-W-H. They won't even spell it all the way out because it's so sacred, it's so holy, amen. And what did Aaron say? He goes, listen, we will, we will build this and now we're going to have a feast unto this golden calf who is Yahweh. Who is Yahweh? Oh, come on, church. Who is Yahweh? They're sitting there looking, and they made, they made something in the image or, the, or what they thought the image of who God was, but it wasn't God at all. Amen. It was a counterfeit. It was a counterfeit. Amen. I'm telling you, church, these are some things that, that, we, that we, need, we need to be paying attention to. He, was, he wasn't making a, a God to something else. Listen, he was, making, he was making a counterfeit image of who he thought God was. Why? Because he was too in fear to come into his presence. See, he should have been running up that mountain. If he thought, if he thought, if he thought Moses was dead, he should have been running up on that mountain to go, to go get in the presence of God, to seek out God. What, what do you want me to do to lead these people? But instead of they said, no, that's too much in fear going to get into his presence. I know what we can do. We'll make something that looks just like him. It looks like him. It may sound like him. You know, we can worship it. You know, we can touch it. We'll, we'll proclaim this is the God that took us out of Egypt. This is the God that heals. But there is no power in it. There is no power in it. It's just, it is just a counterfeit. Just a counterfeit. Instead of yielding to God's direction, instead of seeking his face, they did what was easy. Built something that doesn't produce change. Why? Because God loves me enough. He'll bless it anyhow. Right? Isn't that the mentality of the church? God loves it and he loves me enough anyhow. He'll just bless it. I'll just step out and he'll bless it. It's all good. Yeah, but what did God asked him to do? No, he ordered, he ordered Moses to go down there and I'll finish up with these verses. And he, and he rose up early in, uh, and he rose up early on the morrow. And he said, they rose up early in the morrow and they offered burnt offerings and brought a peace offering to the people and sat down to eat and drink. And they says, they rose up to play. They rose up to play the harlot. And the Lord said, get down there, Moses, for the people which, brought, which you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves and they've turned aside quickly out of the way which I've commanded them. And they made a molten calf and they worshiped it. They sacrificed thereunto. They said, these be our gods of Israel, which have brought us out of the land of Egypt. So what Moses do? Yielded, yielded to what the Lord said and he went down there. Hmm. Now, why did God want him to go down there and take care of business and, and get them to stop these things? Because God's mean? Because God won't destroy them? Now, two chapters earlier, they just made a covenant. They just made a covenant with them. And the bad thing about that is if they didn't fulfill their end of that covenant, I mean, it opened up the door wide open for the adversary, I mean, to come in and slaughter every single one of them. And God's like, Moses, get your behind down there 
and get these people to stop, get them to repent. Amen. Why? Because death is coming to the camp. Death is coming to the camp, and we need, we, need to get, we need to get these things sorted. Amen. Why? Because they're covenant breakers. They became idolaters. They began to make God in their own image. So I ask us today, church. No, it's not one of those hop up and down, jump and party and messages. But listen, are we, we need to examine ourselves. Amen. Is there anything in our own lives, amen, that we're, that we're idolizing? Is there anything in our own lives that, we, that, we're, that we're producing an idol? You say, what does that mean? Is there anything that we're doing that, that we're ignoring what the Lord has asked us to do? If the Lord has asked us to stop something, the Lord has asked us to move forward in something, he's asked us to back up on something, if he's asked us to, to, to do this and we haven't done, is there anything, amen, of our lives that, that, we've, that we've allowed it to become an idol? I mean, because listen, it's going to hinder you. I'm not saying God, not God's going to come, but it'll hinder you. I mean, it'll hinder what God's going to be able to do in your own life. It's going to hinder the anointing he can pour out upon you. It's going to hinder these things that, that he desires to do with us. Why? Because you simply haven't completely sacrificed your own life unto him. Amen. We got, and we got to give these things up to where he can do what he desires to do in our own lives. Say, why is the Lord giving some of these messages here lately? Because I'm telling you, there's a weight coming. And the only thing that's stopping it is us. Because see, when people start flowing in these doors, and they start see, taking up every seat, and they start, they start questioning and wondering and needing help with things, and they start asking you questions like, why do you do those things? I don't like doing those things. We do it like this at our other church. We, we do things at the, at the other place. We, we're going to need to be so firm in our foundation, firm in who God's made us to be, amen, that we can stand up and we can give them the correct answer, amen. Why? Because I'm telling you, the counterfeit's always trying to come in and get in to get us off track where we begin to worship how we want to do things, worship how oh, we got to keep people. We're going to change things and make it go a different direction. And these things become an idol in our lives, become a, a hindrance, amen, for what God's wanting to do, amen. So let us be bold, church. Let us be bold, amen. Let's yield unto his word, let's yield unto his culture, let's yield unto his way of doing things, amen, and make no excuse for it, amen. We don't need to make excuse for it, we just need to yield unto it. Amen. And then allow him to lead us and guide us in everything that we're doing. I'm telling you, even if your flesh begins to throw a temper tantrum, amen, you just continue to go. You continue to push. You continue to yield. Amen. To what he has for us. Amen. 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 Is that all right for you on a Wednesday evening? You still love me? You're not mad at me? Hallelujah. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, we, we thank you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your compassion. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for, oh, Lord, for the, the word that you're trying to get over to us as a church. Lord, we know you love us. We know you desire us. You know, but, we're, but listen, Father, I'm, I'm so thankful for correction. I know we have a lovely, powerful church full of Holy Ghost men and women, but I know there's more. I know there's more. So, Lord, I invite you. Even if it makes us uncomfortable, Lord, I invite you to come speak words that begin to shift things on the inside of us, Lord, because we want to be able to handle more weight. We want to handle more glory. Not, not so that we can say we're the greatest church in town, but so that we can reach the city. We can fulfill your dreams. We can, we can bring all men into repentance simply by your goodness, your glory flowing through us. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us. Help us to be obedient, submissive, Give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is having to say. Hmm. Help us eat the meat, spit out bones. And help us be ever conscious of what you have for us, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it. And as we exit out of this church, Lord, we stand on Psalms 91. But there is no evil befall us. Neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place. For you give your angels charge of us, Lord. You protect us in everything that we do. We thank you that we are protected, amen, as we leave out of this place. We're, we're protected on the, on the roadways, the airways, the seaways, the railways. Lord, even as we're going down the walk paths, Lord, we are protected. Why? Because you love us so much. We're your children. Or for people that are committed to, to, to stay in the secret place of the Most High. Why? Because we, we want to hear from you. We desire you. 
We desire your goodness. We desire to look more like our King and less like the world. So we love you, Lord. We adore you. Come wreck us. Come change us. We thank you for the righteous labor of our hands, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for blessing everything we put our hands to, Lord, that it will prosper. We thank you, Lord, for our jobs. We thank you, Lord. We are the blessing in that place. Our jobs are prospering just because we're there, just because your children are there. Lord, give, allow these jobs to become our ministry field where we can speak a word into someone. We can lead someone to you, Lord. We can provide healing, whatever it is that you desire for them, Lord. Give us boldness to speak and a boldness to yield unto your spirit. Hmm. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we'll be a blessing, a blessing in somebody's life, a miracle in somebody's life, a problem to the adversary this week, Lord. He'll, he will dread that he ever came into Dundalk. Hmm. We thank you for this church. Oh, we thank you for what you're building this church. We thank you for the ambassadors of Christ. You've called each and every one of us to be. Thank you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by the blood. We're empowered by your word, and we're anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.